Have you ever found yourself after a game of D&D debating over a particular rule that came up and trying to figure out, as a group, how to break it? As a DM, do you get that feeling of dread when your player asks, if you look at it this way? Well, we decided to turn that into a podcast. A group of DMs come together every episode as we discuss how rules is written, we can figure out how to maximize what we can do with a rule, and how we can use other rules to break the game. Each episode, we will be joined by a guest, including DMs from some of our favorite podcasts, and get a sneak peek behind the DM screen from some of our favorite shows as they share their own thoughts and experiences on a particular rule and how it has affected their games. Please feel free to jump in on our discussions by leaving us a comment on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or feel free to email me at dm at dndraw.com, or send us a tweet to at rules as written and let us know how the rule may have come up during one of your games or how you figured out a way to break the game that we didn't discuss so thanks for joining us hey everyone i'm tony hi this is bethany hey this is rachel my name is joshua c mcmahon today we are going to be going over artemis entreries Artemis and Trary? Is that, how am I saying? Am I saying that is correct? Okay, I'm like, am I butchering this? Artemis and Trary. From from the books, uh, with that Dritz guy, and uh, talking about how he is broken and. Uh... <laughs> so to explain who he is a little bit, Artemis and Trary is a human who winds up initially going after Dritz. He starts off as an antagonist, and throughout the course of the series, eventually, while not really becoming a hero, he does wind up becoming. An ally. Basically, he goes a little bit from evil to, to neutral kind of deal, if you want to look at it that way. But throughout all of this, he hunts them for a very long time, as he is an assassin. So looking at kind of 5e stats based off of how he's described, he mentions that he can go toe-to-toe with Drist in combat. So not the usual type of rogue, who is more about get in, stab, and get out, whereas it comments that it's uncertain who would actually win in a straight fight, no interference from outside uh, forces. And this was for quite a while, apparently, through the series. Hmm. So looking at 5th edition, and also the fact that apparently it's been commented that Artemis, after seeing a particular combat maneuver done once, maybe twice, he knows it, gives me the impression that he is kind of a mix between a, uh assassin class and a battlemaster class. Um, which would give him that fighting abilities that would kind of rival Drizzt. He is also a two-weapon fighter. He always used a sword and a dagger, which I will get to the magical dagger he has, as it is way overpowered. Surprise! (laughs) Two other little tidbits about just him before we get into his magical items. He's a human, I want to reiterate, but now he has been given the innate ability to see in the dark. Because why not? Because why not? From Jarlaxle. From a drow Jarlaxle, who I will be excited to discuss in a later episode at some point, as he rips the game apart. <laughs> and lastly, this is just this is just something I think that's a little weird, but he specifically grows out the nail on his thumb and can tear off the top layer of the nail to use as a lockpick. <laughs> <sighs> The first, the first time they, this came up in the book, I was like, wait, what? What What did I miss? This is like, really what is happening disturbing. right now? He specifically grows out this nail so that if he ever needs a lockpick, 
he can just tear off the top layer of his nail. This is all like B-list superheroes with like those powers that <laughs> aren't really marketable, albeit helpful. Like Waffle Man. Yeah. yeah. So I will say we tried out the Drist coin flipping thing. We will not be testing the thumbnail as lockpick. No. Nope. <laughs> That's just disturbing. Yep. Wow, I have sympathy pain now. Aww. Does your, do your thumb right, does feel your, does weird? Does your thumb feel a little weird now? Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so just know, just uh, keep them trimmed and don't grow them long for potential lockpicking purposes. I don't know. I mean, long nails get pretty cool. Yeah, and handy. So handy. I mean, sometimes I use my thumbnail to open the bathroom door, but that's just one of those, like, take a screwdriver to it once. I uh, don't have to rip my nail off to do that. <sighs> Otherwise, I would probably stop doing it. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Okay, moving on to magic uh, items. Moving on to I don't his magic think my body items. can take this anymore. <laughs> so, um, to mention some of the simpler items first, he has a, uh, I'm gonna attempt to pronounce, uh, a bolero? It's a bolero. It's a bolero. Okay. I wanted to make sure I was saying that correctly. It's, it's a, a large hat that was given to him that actually, um, cannot be knocked off his head if he doesn't want it to be. And basically, in terms of just a mechanic standpoint, would provide him advantage on stealth checks as it lowers his uh, his body heat so that enemies who would have infravision, which was a thing in older editions, would be unable to detect him as he does not give off any body heat with this hat on. That's pretty cool. Kind of weird, but pretty cool. Yeah, weird, but cool. I love how it opened with the, the hat cannot be knocked off. It's like... Neat trick. Yeah. The idea was if he's mounted and knocked off or knocked about or anything like that, the hat will stay on his head. Yeah, it can't just be jostled off his body. Yeah, yeah, it's handy. It's quite useful. Continuing on for a few of his magic items from there, he does have uh, an actual figurine of wondrous power that is in the 5e rule set, the Obsidian Steed. Um, it allows him to summon a nightmare for a certain period of time. Honestly, it seems like this one is actually within the mechanics of five. But his hat won't be blown off. <laughs> but his hat won't be blown off. <laughs> as, he, as he rides his nightmare. Another one that's actually within the confines of five. Of e, it mentions. I'm uncertain if he actually still has this. I'll mention this now. Uh, but he does have a robe that can turn into a pair of bat wings and allow him to fly for about an hour. <laughs> They're called Wings of Flying in 5th edition, and again, these actually do exist within the 5e rule set. From here, they get a little more interesting, and I don't have an equivalent for the 5e rule set. Uh, sorry, this uh, is slightly off topic. Rachel, is that what Chris had for his bard in your game? The wings? No, he had boots. Oh, his boots. Okay, because I remember- The boots of fly. The boots yeah. of fly, because I remember he was like, I'm gonna fly across the rooftops! Yeah. Yeah, he had boots. Yeah, he was so excited about that. <laughs> Sorry, it just popped into my head. No, you're fine. This next one is just known as the belt buckle knife. It was quite literally a belt buckle that, if pulled, suddenly turned into a knife. And he could essentially return it as a belt buckle. The symbol of the knife was on the buckle itself, and he would just grab it and rip it off to turn it into a knife. The closest thing that I've been able to find anything in 5e is an item known as the Staff of a Python which you can use to essentially throw the staff to the ground and it turns into a giant constrictor snake. That one I actually like. That's pretty cool. Is uh was the knife magical in terms of its damage and stuff like that? It kind of is implied that it was based off of the mechanics of how things worked, uh, but it seemed like it was plus 1 plus 2 type of magical. Yeah, not. something something small. Yeah. I like that in terms of the stealthiness. Yeah, and I actually think that's a pretty cool item overall. And that was more like a, a 
you know, all the rest of his more powerful magical weapons are yeah. not at his disposal. So, so yeah. you, you said belt buckle knife, and for some reason I thought of, like, the Batman, like, Aren't they called like batterings or something that the, he batterings? Yeah, batterings that he like pulls off. <laughs> That's all I can think of is like, cha cha cha. That's probably pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's a knife so this, and not like yeah, yeah. throwing. But now, but yes. now you want that in game. You want a belt buckle battering. Yes. I, I would like a, a belt buckle battering. <laughs> yeah, Please? I would love I to see your attacks. characters just going nuts, throwing these things everywhere. Someone would lose an eye or something. Just yeah, shoot your eye out. <laughs> They'd be yeah. the next javelins. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. To get into his very powerful magical items, uh, the first is known as either his vampiric dagger or his jeweled dagger. This allows him to absorb the life force of anyone it cuts and heals himself. The closest things I've been able to find in 5e are actually two separate items. A uh, sword of life stealing, which... On a crit, you can deal extra necrotic damage and gain temporary HP. And to expand on what this jewel does, at one point throughout the series, this is a little bit of a spoiler for the, the, the latest trilogy, just to warn, but he throws a knife and stabs his enemy, and at one point, while the knife is still embedded, he grabs it and literally sucks the life force out of her. Later it's mentioned a priestess wants to try and revive her and is unable to, as the individual has no soul anymore. That is an evil dagger. Yeah. So the closest thing I can find to that aspect of it is known as the Nine Lives Stealer in the Dungeon Master's Guide, which on a crit, the opponent can make a con save if they have fewer than 100 hit points. Otherwise, they die. The life force is sucked out of them. This dagger seems to be under his control, which again is... No weapon currently in 5e has that power, in which he has actually used it to prick someone and put the dagger right next to the wound and start to torture them as it slowly sucks the life force out of them. And it has actually brought him back from near death many times. And occasionally it's commented that when he was on the streets, like, badly injured, he ran across a beggar and then he wound up being fine after the fact. Mm. As the dagger sucked the life force from his victim. Did it say that or was it just heavily implied? <laughs> heavily implied. <laughs> there was a beggar and then there wasn't a beggar and he felt better. Yeah, he felt mm. a lot better. Wonder why. That is not a good weapon. This is it's, a very evil it's weapon. Good, it's good to have. <laughs> and this is not his most evil weapon. Oh boy. But just to comment on this a little bit, already we talked about last time how attunement now is a thing in 5e and it wasn't in previous editions. But based off of the items that currently I've mentioned, Artemis and Truri is fully attuned. The belt buckle knife, the wings of flying, and this dagger would all be items that you would need to attune to. Not the hat? The hat's debatable, because apparently Boots of Elven Kind, you do not have to attune to. Yet they Hmm. still provide you that advantage on stealth when moving silently. Gotcha. So that's why the hat, maybe, maybe not. It's a little bit like a cloak of Elven Kind. But that could be a toss-up a little. So he's fully attuned. He's not overly attuned like Drist was. Not yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. We're not, not yet. So, just so far. As of we've... this point, this is what he has. <laughs> okay, so we've gotten through five of his items, and he's already attuned fully. So, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. He has two more. He's not as heavily magically amplified as Drist. Okay. But this particular item, this is an evil sword, this next one. It's called Charon's Claw. It's a sentient blade. 
basically the closest would be equivalent. It's a plus three long sword. And this is not a thing in 5e anymore, but the sword itself would have a higher critical range in previous editions. Keen. It has the keen property. I think I've had this on previous weapons in other games back when I played Pathfinder. Entirely possible. I know, I know it's actually pretty cool as it expands the crit range that you can have. Especially useful if you're playing with a scimitar, because scimitars, I think, are already a 19 to 20. So you get an 18 to 20, right? I, it was a really weird scale. I'll have to put it in the show notes, but it basically kept doubling your percentages. Okay. So um, I think the best you can get was something like from 15 or 16 to 20 as a crit range. It's wow. pretty crazy if you That's stacked impressive. it enough. Yeah, but it was tough to get that high. So jumping back to Charon's Claw, as Keen's not really a thing anymore, that can be debated on a 5e version of it, but it has only one ability, and this is the only sword in the Dungeon Master's Guide that has... Anything in relation to Charon's Claw, a sort of wounding, which what it does, the sort of wounding in 5e is basically creates a wound on your opponent that deals a continuous 1d4 necrotic damage every turn until they get some sort of healing magic to restore it. Charon's Claw does something similar in which a small cut can actually cause a festering wound on its opponent. Ooh. This is all before you actually even touch the weapon. Anyone who actually touches this blade needs to essentially succeed in a battle of wills. So in this case would be, I guess, a wisdom saving throw or a a wisdom contest between yourself and the sword. And anyone who failed, and I'm using a direct quote that I found online, it would burn the flesh and skin from the wielder's head away. Is it kind of like what happens in Raiders of the Lost Ark? That's how I picture it. That's pretty sick. That is an evil blade. It is a malicious, evil, evil weapon. So this is one of those weapons, if you can't control it, you can't use it. It will kill you. Sounds wonderful. (laughs) Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. I would assume it's a wisdom save based off of the fact that it's supposed to be a battle of wills. So I know Will will saves in previous. (laughs) Ash would actually be okay. No, Ash has terrible wisdom. Oh, that's right. Paladin. It's charisma. Yeah, I'm I'm charisma. Zolus would be okay, and Sai might be okay. Dumb but cute. (laughs) (laughs) Is that is that the the motto? Yeah, dumb but cute. That's that's Ash's. Okay. (laughs) Now, what the blade could actually do, in addition to uh, the festering wounds, if you could actually bend it to your will, you essentially become invisible to the old version of infravision. So I would put it as advantage on stealth checks. You can also essentially send ash into the air and obscure anyone's vision around you. So similar to a fog cloud spell. That's a lowercase a for ash. Not your character. I would obscure vision. <laughs> you would. <laughs> As you land on top of someone. <laughs> Try and take them home and adopt them. <laughs> can we keep them? Can we keep she them? says. <laughs> As they're actively trying to stab. (laughs) The last effect that the sword actually can can give off is it can apparently emit a light that only its wielder can see and allow the wielder to then see in the dark because of it. Story-wise, this blade has also had a couple of uh, specific ties to Artemis and Truri. There was apparently an aspect of the blade that someone was able to manipulate and have it enslave Artemis. So that the blade itself could physically stop him from performing certain acts, even though he wasn't in contact with it anymore. Hmm. Also, any time he would be killed, it could bring him back to life. Just because it wanted him to be. 
And one last thing, and again, this is another spoiler for the upcoming trilogy, uh, in case anyone hasn't read it yet. But the weapon at one point was thrown, and Josh, you actually know uh, the primordial Magera. The yeah. weapon was thrown into Magera. To, to explain what Magera is, it's a being of elemental fire, correct? Pure <laughs> elemental fire. So the weapon was tossed in and left there for, I want to say, months, if not years. And then it was discovered the weapon was perfectly fine, undamaged inside this, essentially, being of pure molten rock. So this is this is like in the Lord of the Rings trilogy where they had thrown the ring in. It had been like, eh, whatever. <laughs> it just sort of floats. <laughs> this is like, oh, look, here's Mount Doom. Let me toss the ring. Oh, Mount Doom's not going to break the ring. Yeah. Um, the weapon was actually expelled from Magera and looked perfectly fine and unscathed. If anything, a little cleaner. Probably. <laughs> Burn all that oil off, all the blood. Yeah. That is one heck of a sword. Does the sword have a personality in the books, given that it's intelligent? Um, malicious. <laughs> it is an evil, evil sword. It wants blood. It wants mm-hmm. death. It wants... It wants destruction. Kill. Does it have, like, a voice? It, it talks in the books? Or is it sort of like, uh, like the ring? It seems more it's, it's, uh, an emotion. Like, I haven't, like, read, like, I'll, I'll admit, like, reading up on Karen's Claw, I've actually read up on it more rather than reading it directly from the books. I have read a little bit where it's actually in the books, but they've been more careful with it and mm. don't actively touch it. But basically, it seems to give off more emotion ra- and, and an empathetic link rather than a telepathic one. That makes it actually even more intriguing to me because those kinds of things, it's almost like less explanation is more. You just know there's something up with this sword. And then it's bad news. <laughs> you got a bad feeling yeah. about the sword. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty it scary. It has it has its own novel, right? Named after it. Yeah, um, there is. A... It's the third one, and then the Neverwinter Saga. Sharon's Claw. Yep. So you know it's you know it's a big deal when it has a book named after it. <laughs> uh, yeah. It has a book. It has its own trilogy. It'll be four yeah. movies though. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> that that's actually probably true. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the idea of seeing these as movies. Especially when they call it the, uh, what was it? The Chisholm Demon? The, ch- the Chasme. 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 Chasme Demon. Which was the strange pronunciation from the audible narrator of mm. what we believe to be Chasm Demon based on... Chasm Demon. Based on how the word... Chasme. Sounds. Chasm is pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, a lot of this is open to interpretation. So anyway, so that's that's kind of the big one, but that's not the last item he has, right, Tony? So, no, there is one other item he has. Now, with this sword being as powerful and as evil and as deadly as it is, the initial creators of this sword actually had a failsafe for it, one that could allow them to wield it without fear of having their faces melt off. And this was actually a gauntlet that was specifically designed so that you could wield the blade without actually getting into the Battle of Wills at all. And the gauntlet itself had additional properties to it. It would allow the wielder to actually catch spells that were thrown at them and be able to either reflect it back on the initiator or just dispel the spell. So, for reference from our games, this is literally what Chris has asked me for for his monk character. It's like, oh, magic missiles? Catch, yeah. catch, catch. He's like, you know how I have that ability that lets me like deflect like arrows and stuff? I really should be able to do that with magic. What kind of magic item are we looking at for me to be able to do that? I'm like, no, I'm not giving you that. It's way too overpowered. He's like, 
but really, how do I get this magic item? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, well, it would be really cool, but at the same time, it would be so overpowered. Yeah. So the closest magic item in the DMG right now that I can find is a Rod of Absorption, which can catch a uh, single-directed single spell and just absorb it rather than redirect it or dispel the spell itself. It's the redirecting that makes it ridiculous. It's basically combining a monk's ability to catch and return arrows or or weapon projectiles, but for spells. <laughs> and without needing a monk class to do it. Mm-hmm. With spells. Yeah. yeah. And as Artemis Centuri is already supposed to be a very high dex-based character to keep up with Driss, he would be able to do this fairly easily. So maybe he just has one class or one uh, level in monk. <laughs> and a crazy um, magic item. He's multi-class. Actually, I feel like he would just kill the monks in frustration and anger. <laughs> does he use the gauntlet, though? He does, eventually. But he doesn't, like, obviously he's already attuned to the sword and hasn't had his face melted off, so... He did win in a battle of wills, but his big thing was initially that this was still an evil blade that kept pushing evil and malicious intent into his thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's kept trying to make him do what it wanted. So that's actually why it was initially thrown into the primordial pit. He was hoping to uh, break this connection he had with it. Uh, one other aspect of the blade that I hadn't mentioned before is he's fairly certain because of this uh, entrapment, this enslavement that he had to the weapon, the weapon is prolonging his life. He's not aging, and he's well over a hundred years old. And he's human. He is human. Cheater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very confusing for people. They're like, "Wait, no, 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 no. You're dead by now, <laughs> because I know how humans work." It's like, "Yeah, but I'm special." But basically. I'm special. Oh, so that's kind of the trend with these characters. I'm sure you're seeing now. Oh yeah. Uh, how old was he when he got the the weapon? I believe he was in his thirties. Okay, because if he can go toe to toe with Drist. Yeah, there have been other factors as to why he is still the age he is. Um, certain things have actually helped slow down his aging in addition to this, but this was a big thing where he he actually was at the point like he wanted to finish out his life, basically, and this mm. sword wasn't allowing him to do it. Um, but of, re- of recently, he has been using this glove, this gauntlet. To keep the evil out. So there's no risk of that connection. Did that did the gauntlet break the connection, or is only when he's using it? Direct contact with the blade, it pushes these thoughts. Any sort of sentient weapon has mm. actually the potential, if the DM allows it, to manipulate uh, the wielder. There right. are certain artifacts that can essentially push you to try to kill someone if you haven't killed someone within a certain degree of time. And there is one other magical uh, aspect to the gauntlet, which I actually just find interesting. It allows its wearer to know when it's being scryed upon and to even know if the source of the scrying was an arcane one, a divine one, or a psionic one. Hmm. Uh, 5e, of course, does not have psionesis yet. Uh, not fully fledged. So... I would be excited to play one. <laughs> um, no magic item in 5e allows you to... Be aware that you're being scryed upon, other than just succeeding on the save, and know its source, whether it's an arcane or divine caster. It might not seem like a big deal, but that's a pretty ridiculous power. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, being able to figure out if someone's trying to watch you, that's... 
I feel like it's on TV shows or movies where they're like, oh, no, we're being hacked. I'll trace it back through the blah, 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 bunch of, like, nonsense jargon to figure out where the hacker's coming from. <laughs> I feel like it's like that. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Because that's, I'm sure, very realistic, too. Especially when two people use one keyboard to, to anti-hack. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. I've I've seen. It is no, that, that, that works, right? Because then you could hack twice as good. Yeah. Yeah. That's 200% how it works. the anti-hacking power. Of all the different items that he has, and he doesn't seem quite as broken as Drist in terms of just the number of items and the fact that he doesn't have, like, you know, a panther and a unicorn. No, he just has his nightmare. He's just got his nightmare. But one of, one of the things that really did stick out to me was the belt buckle knife. That one actually is really cool. Yeah. I think that that's totally legitimate. doesn't really break the game. That one is actually a neat item that I have actually thought about potentially incorporating into uh, my game at some point. Or maybe a future game, just because it's it's interesting, just for the the potential RP aspects of it too. Well, and it's not too overpowered. It's not stealing somebody's soul level of overpowered. Say for just just an example. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's legit, just like a hidden blade that you would maybe get away with, and and even if you could get a dagger out, it, dagger ain't gonna do much, even if it is a plus one or plus two. It's really just like a last resort kind of thing, which would be nifty narratively. Yeah. And that's where I think it would actually come in as an interesting object. I feel like these are going to lead to you guys making lots of requests for magic items these, in these discussions. <laughs> but, but we need more stuff. But that Artemis guy has it. Hey, you keep the goats coming. I think we'll all be fine. <laughs> I will appease you with goats. That seems weird. Like I'm doing some sort of weird sacrificial ritual. <laughs> you mean it's not? <laughs> yeah. We want goats. We, we want, want goats. goats. <laughs> just to have his pets, not to harm, just to just to enjoy. Yeah. Your role as DM is basically taking care of your Sims, and we require goats and grendos and food and happiness, and you just want to pop in every once in a while and make sure we're all doing okay. <laughs> okay. You guys haven't killed each other yet? No, we're good. Okay, here's some goats. I'll be back in a couple days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you be good. Don't be fall good. in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Make good choices. <laughs> but uh, yeah. overall, I mean, he's still, uh, Arvis and is a pretty, he's an overpowered character, but it's, I, I think that since we started with Drist, by comparison, most of these other characters won't seem so bad, even though this guy can literally suck the soul out of somebody's body to get hit points. Yeah, that's harsh. Not even 10 hit points. He's come back from the brink of death to with this dagger. Well, I mean, soul points are especially healing. Oh, yeah. One soul point is two regular health points. <laughs> Absolutely. Just ask anybody. <laughs> but uh, I think that's the part that really gets me, is that it's not just like... I don't know, that's like Wraith-level evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is revival spells will not work. Lich? Ever. That's, D- that's pretty bad. Does it say Lich somewhere? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, where does it say, like, Lich, Lich evil? No? No? You know, Lich feed, feed souls to their phylactery, so... Yeah, he just feeds them to his dagger. It's totally cool. No, 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 they're for himself. He got hurt, <laughs> and he needs to um get rid of the boo-boos. Yeah. <laughs> Ouchies. <laughs> So we have a slightly different issue with with Artemis here is that while he's not as game-breaking magic-wise as Drist is, it just has significantly more evil items. Yeah. Yeah, like the items themselves are inherently evil. Like the use is evil, but the item is just evil. 
Well, and this is just like, like Uthal died last game, thank goodness, from just falling damage. Or not last game, but one of the games. And it, it seems so fresh. Fairly recently. It's, it's still, it's still, it still hurts. It's still tender. Uh, but, but it, you know, if, if one of your friends is, say this is a character in a campaign, you're, you really don't want to get killed by that dagger because you will not be able to revivify. You will not yeah. be able no. to bring back. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200. You're done. Even spells like Disintegration Ray, which you get rid of the body, eventually a true resurrection spell can bring you back. But this does not. Yeah, if a deity can't bring you back, there's no coming back. <laughs> the <sighs> Yeah, the priestess was actually told... No, your deity doesn't have the power to do this. Is there any information on who made this sword in the in the books? I know that might be spoilerish territory, but for a deity to not be able to bring back a person this sword takes I mean, what is happening? Yeah, I don't actually know. I'd have to read the book. <laughs> um I'm actually not sure as to who made the weapon. It's just it's kind of been a staple of his since the beginning. Um, it's been huh. stolen once or twice by different characters, but as far as the original creator of it, I'm not I'm sure. Because that seems like a wait, is it legendary item or? <laughs> I think it's I think it's an artifact. Um, it right? is an artifact. Artifact. Artifact yeah. is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it's that next yeah. level. I believe it's a minor artifact. Okay, so I think it was a Netherese artifact, but I don't think there's a specific person who made it, right? Uh, Charon's Claw was a Netherese artifact. Oh, that's the what I'm da- thinking of, yeah. The yeah. dagger might be as well, but I'm I not will, sure. It seems like it could be, where you're just like, it's ancient magic. It just is. <laughs> it just <laughs> Which, uh, Josh, you actually guys have encountered, uh, Netherese ruins in my game. We have, haven't we? That's the floating city people. That's where I got my sword. Dawnbringer. My sword's a nice sword, just to be clear. <laughs> she's nice. Little needy, but very nice. She's, she's clingy, and she really doesn't like undead. But otherwise, she's pretty chill. <laughs> Everybody's got their quirks. Yeah, every sentient sword has something a little off about them. Sometimes it's that they don't like to be left alone. Sometimes it's that they like to steal people's souls. You know, everybody's got their thing. It's just a thing. So, overall, I think the game-breaking thing for Arms and Cherry is not just the abilities of his weapons but sort of how they have to be used part of the problem is his two weapons in particular are both there's no good way to use them well this was i think with the drift discussion of how how would you feel if if a player sat down like hey here's my character (laughs) dm totally okayed it yeah let me show you what he can do yeah we talked totally approved Can can you imagine sitting down with a character like this? It's like, and you're not an evil character? Are you sure? Like, no, no, no. I'm neutral. Neutral. I might have taken that guy's soul for hit points, but yeah. but, but I didn't do it out of hatred. I just didn't care. So neutral. <laughs> <laughs> I was hurt. I mean, I needed to, you know, make sure I was okay. It's like when the rogue of the party's like, well, let me just get a closer look at this sword, touches it, and his face burns <laughs> off. And it's like, dude, what do we... You, you killed the rogue. Oh, okay. What do we do? Be like, you shouldn't well, have touched my sword. Yeah. <laughs> Bam. Neutral. Like, I think uh, that would be the, the problem. You could not trust a, a, anyone who has weapons like these. It's one of those moments when the DM's like, are you sure you want to try and touch it? It's like, yeah, what could go wrong? Yeah, yeah. Like, like okay. no, it's a sword. Make a will save. So he's, uh, <laughs> he's actually on the cover of Hero, right? Because now... He, yeah, he's there with Drist. Because they're like sort of bros? They're BFFs after that. They're bros. The, the, I think the popular word is frenemies. 
Oh, well, I don't even know. I don't think Driss no, knows. No, they're not. Driss doesn't know how to frenemy. <laughs> Driss, no. Driss, no, no, no. Driss needs to believe. Yeah. That he can believe in his heart. <laughs> There's good in and him. what is good. All right, that's my cue to get off. Is <laughs> <laughs> so food time, guys? You're like, ugh. Yeah. I've heard enough. <laughs> so that All is right. Artemis and Drury. I like this one. This guy's cool. He has some evil stuff, which oh, it, yeah. it, for a, for the narrative makes for an interesting character. <laughs> So, uh, so overall, I think he's an interesting character, though, because it's hard to know what he's going to do. That's the uh, neutral part. Yeah. <laughs> definitely chaotic. Oh, absolutely chaotic. Yeah. 